You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Welcome to The Pivot Point, where we talk about all things pivot, all things business, and all things Vegas. I'm your host, Bardia. Let's get the ball rolling. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thank you all for tuning in. You may be wondering who I am. So today, we have a special collaboration between Dr. Cavetti's Orthopedics Podcast and my podcast, The Pivot Point. Uh, my name is Bardia Ivazi. Uh, I'm an MBA student at UNLV. Primarily today we'll be talking about business, but um, I w- do have experience in biomedical sciences, so I'm more than happy to talk about medicine today as well. But uh, without further ado, thank you, Dr. Cravetti, for being here with me today. Well, you're welcome. Uh, it's nice to have uh, another podcaster in the room running <laughs> the show today. Yes, sir. So I'm happy to be your guest, and thanks so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's start off for any new listeners, just very briefly, um, what's your career story? How did you come to Las Vegas? That's a good story. Yeah. So I'm a kid from Jersey, mar- yes. married a girl from Texas. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, but I did drag that gal to Jersey for medical school and for residency, and we ended in Ohio. So I'm not, I wasn't the most popular person uh, from a weather standpoint. So when it came time to graduate residency and get my butt a job. Uh, she said, uh, we're going to Vegas. And I said, well, I've never actually been to Vegas, nice. not even on vacation. So we came out, we uh, met some great doctors out here, some new techniques in surgery that I thought were just going to be groundbreaking and were really going to set me apart from some of the other docs. One of the trainers, Dr. Todd Swanson here in town, um, really kind of set me on the road to being different surgically and being maybe a little more innovative, a little more advanced. Um, and I chose to work with him for a year. That's called a fellowship. And that year really taught me a lot about medicine. And it's so great that we're talking business today mm-hmm. as well, because Dr. Swanson was a great mentor. Um, not only was he a great surgeon, one of the best I've ever seen uh, after traveling the country with many different surgeons, but also the business side. Mm-hmm. He uh, was president of his group. You know, he really was always dialed into what was new, what was good for the group. From a business standpoint, something you, as a physician, don't really get an opportunity right. uh, to be part of. Unfortunately, I elect, not, well, unfortunately, I shouldn't say that. Fortunately, I decided to go out on my own instead of joining his group, which at that time was 20 different surgeons. But you feel like he was a good mentor oh, for you. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. This is where the hard knocks came in. Yeah. I uh, went out and put out my own shingle, you know, 24 years ago. And if you can imagine, uh, Back then, this little Jersey guy with a you know big deep voice, I remember mm-hmm. you know <laughs> going out and starting that fight, um, and all the lessons I've learned over the years. And as you know, uh, the Crivetti Orthopedics and Sports Medicine is my baby. Um, I have two different surgery centers, overnight stay suites, which we pioneered in two thousand nine and ten. Um, we've got two big facilities. Just we've just done so many cool things, and I learned a lot along the way. It's incredible. Did you have this vision from the start or did it like slowly evolve into what it is now? You know, I've got a little entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think when I started out, I started out doing a lot of things. And uh, the surgery center 
when my wife said, will you stop doing these other things, was the start of focusing on medicine and business of medicine and really making it work uh, because you know, can imagine the challenges mm-hmm. in that field. And then the vision definitely grew to this. Um, I hope to have another center, have my second center, yes. hope to have a third center um, uh-huh. as soon as I uh, recover from the reeling of the second center. <laughs> 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 Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. That's on so the, funny. <laughs> but, yes. I want to touch a little bit on the messaging. You have such some of the most powerful marketing I've seen of any medical office. Uh, some of the phrases, I want to know who made these. These are really great. Uh, recover like a rock star. Getting you back in your game. And I can again, which I think is my favorite. Uh, what does that mean to you? I can again. Yeah. All right. So messaging. So we chose to go a different route when it came to reaching our patients. I think the traditional route was to um, meet primary care physicians, encourage the referrals, uh, service those referrals, and build your practice. And I think there's definitely a part of that. Uh, hustling your butt off in the emergency room is probably the other side and getting those referrals. We decided to take a direct-to-consumer, DTC, approach. Believe it or not, I met my wife as a pharmaceutical rep back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. In early 1990, the direct-to-consumer world in pharma became huge. It was right when it first started in 89. And then in two in, in 90, you spent over $2 billion in direct-to-consumer marketing. And the reason they did that is because they're smart and they're effective and it works, right? So we took that same approach. So what we were looking for were things that, how would we message our patients and just let them know it's going to be all right. You know, you're going to be different. You're going to do what you didn't do before. So I can again, which we came up with um, out one time, I, I think we had had a beer too, and we're, we're, that was one of our brainstorming and some potato skins and fries. And we decided, come on, let's do this. And it, we came up with I can again. We jumped on uh, uh, GoDaddy, and we're like, hey, is I can available? And it was, and it was nice. literally the start of 15 years of encouraging folks to get back to the things that they love. So, also known as getting back in your game. Wow, that's incredible. The greatest <laughs> ideas come from a beer and just having just going out. Um, and brainstorming with great people. Yes, sir. <laughs> sitting around a table with people with creative ideas like our marketing folks. And, and uh, we're all friends and we work hard together to, to come up with new messages. You know, marketing gets very stale. When you do something for 24 years, we talked about our marketing in the beginning. Don't ever let this get stale. Mm-hmm. Let's keep doing mm-hmm. something new. Let's try a new program. You know, we've done commercials. We've done radio. We've done Billboards as well. Billboards, yeah. right? Try and take a billboard down, mm-hmm. and you should see the phone calls we got. We thought they thought I died. Oh well, my no, god! No, nobody died. We just decided we were going to move on, and do something a little different. So we had to put it back up. <laughs> <laughs> and I see it every day, <laughs> which is which is how you know it works. Um, anyway, so um, another thing that you touched on on your website was creating an out of hospital experience in a state of the art surgical facility, which is some of the rooms that you just mentioned. Uh, what were your biggest challenges in creating this facility? I know you have one in Henderson and now this office here in Summerlin. So we don't have time for that, but I'm going to give you the, the Cliff Notes version. Sure. All right. Um, the Cliff Notes version is we tried to, we, we didn't try, we did. We took patients out of the hospitals, okay, that were having joint replacement surgery. And we put them in a surgery center and we changed their experience to a five-star 
overnight experience where they don't have an IV, they don't have a gown, they're in their clothes, they're with their families, uh, and they're staying overnight with our concierge nurses and staff. So what we realized is that people that have hip and knee replacement are not sick. They didn't need the hospital environment unless, of course, they have certain illnesses that we needed to be a little more careful about. So the biggest challenges was regulatory and probably all the things I'm not really great at. Mm -hmm. For instance, Mm -hmm. I do things for the right reason, right? So we had to go on a lot of forgiveness, not a lot of permission, because I didn't know the questions to ask. I didn't know that I had to go to this regulatory body and say, is it okay if I take sick care of somebody in my office? And then, of course, the inspection started. Um, I'll tell you one of the best stories, and this will exemplify it. We were going to open in December of 2010, and the governing body at the Board of Health came and shut us down on a Friday before the Monday that my first six surgeries were going to be. And there's a guy that works there, and he's just a wonderful guy, came out, and I said, look, come out and just see what we do. Because they accused us of not doing what we said we were going to do in our license application. They came out. And the fella that came out and shut us down became my patient. Oh. The head of the department so- who shut us down ended up testifying at the Board of Health for my final license. So the point is, you know, stick to something great, put your heart by it, do it for the right reason. Uh-huh. And sure enough, all the money and the licensure took care of itself. Ah, so that's the, the short answer yes, of the number yes. of challenges it took to do something mm-hmm. different. And some of your patients have gotten the chance to even come on your podcast. What <laughs> yeah. was it like for them? I imagine it just strengthens your relationship so much. And they just, it's not a level of care, I think. What was it like for them? Yeah. I, and I think if you'd, if you'd ask them how quickly, we become friends. Yeah. You know, when you change somebody's life like that, it's just a, and you know, a guy, Tony Birdie, right? Played ball for the Chargers. Big guy, just a fantastic human, he and his wife. But through this experience, became friends and became, uh, you know, kind of family to us. And they are today and really changed his life in getting him back to just something simple like snowboarding, mm-hmm. let alone playing ball with his kids for as big as he is and uh, being able to travel and do things. So the relationship you develop with your patients is so important to me. So having them on the podcast was such a treat, right? Because they get to share that. And that's un- like, that's unpracticed. You know, I, haven't, nobody- I haven't seen any doctors <laughs> in my experience to have a podcast and then bring their patient guests. So <laughs> yeah, I wonder why we did. No, it's kidding. <laughs> Again, reaching out to patients because who would you, who do you go to? Your knee hurts and you go to a surgeon and you have a surgery. What's that? I want you to tell everybody about that. So the podcast was cool because it gave us a chance for Tony to tell other people yes. that are young like him with a bad knee or hip. Get your butt fixed. Get back to doing the things you enjoy. And a little bit about their doctors. So they get to learn a little bit about these new doctors that have been to office now before they even come to see them. They do. And, you know, when you hire doctors and you're you're bringing younger folks on to mentor and be part of, you do want them to have the same heart you have. They may not have the same knowledge. They may not be business folks. But, you know, you got to see their hearts. And you interview a number of people and you find out the people that really reconnect with you and you connect with them and their lives and their families and their husbands and wives and kids. And those are the folks you want to work with every day. And that's the docs we have here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what's an important piece of advice that you would give to a brand new doctor, fresh out of med school, wanting to start his practice here? 
<laughs> you mean decide uh, take crazy person medicine? Exactly. No, I think um, I have two surgeon daughters. So when you think about starting out, it's a real thing for me. One's an ear, nose, and throat doctor. One's ortho. And I'll tell you, they when you're starting out, you know, find somebody to show you the ropes. Now get somewhere where people are like you and feel the way you do about patients. One of the things in medicine that really bugs me is that we've lost a little bit of the love of it. We've lost the reason why we're doing it. We've lost the care piece of it and how important it is. The bedside manners. Right. But see, that's what keeps you going. These I can again uh, experiences for me is why I come here. This is 25 years. I'm not going anywhere for another 10 or 15 or 20 if uh, you know, God will let me be here. But it's those rewards. So put yourself in a place where you're comfortable, where you're going to get to do that. And I promise you, promise you that the money and the business and the opportunities will take care of themselves. Just care about caring first. Do you think that medical schools should sort of reframe their curriculum in a certain way, teach more business classes or teach more of these skills? Yeah, I think if my daughters had their choice, I think uh, dad would be doing a podcast for the university every week to talk about things like negotiating a lease um, how to negotiate your contract, where do you find an accountant, where do you find an attorney, uh, all these things. How about capital? Where do you get exactly. money? You want to exactly. put, you know, you want to build a tenant improvement and put, you know, chairs in your office and walls and, and, and equipment. Where do you get the money to do that? And how do you negotiate that? So I think it's super important. And maybe there's more of a these uh, conferences mm-hmm. that the, the medical school on a Friday afternoon you bring somebody like myself in and we start to have these question answer sessions and it blows up because I've done it. It blows up into how the heck did you do that? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'll know the answer and sometimes I'll have to get back to you. Yeah. How, so, how has it been like to see over the decades the healthcare industry grow in Las Vegas? Where do you think it's going? Yeah, great answer. Great question. I don't know. I hope I have a great answer. But um, you can't... Um, Get away from the fact that we're growing. I came here 700,000 people. There's 3 million now. Wow. Right? Think about something now. So, yeah. your patient population's incredible. I had one office in Henderson that serviced 250, now services 450,000 people. This office services over a million people in the Valley. So, these numbers are getting. So, I think it's growing. I think we got to keep a real close eye on the quality. We're Vegas. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes here for medicine. They go here to party. Yeah. Right? right? Well, you know what? Our patients are coming from all over the country now, whether it be Canada, whether it be Alaska. I got a pipeline. No joke intended there. No pun intended. But I got a pipeline of folks. And I've got Iowa, Texas, Colorado, folks who fly in uh, for surgery. And it's so rewarding and complimentary that they picked Vegas. They had eight places to pick from. And they came to have surgery here. We're changing the way think people think about our healthcare. We just got to keep everybody on that path. Are you excited about the sports coming to Vegas as well? I am. I am. You know, I think people move to cities to support their sports team. Yeah. Number one, education for their children. Number two, healthcare for their parents and for their kids and their families. And number three, for gosh sakes, it's sports. Right? I know. People love it. They they want to feel. Good about something. A lot of us have our transplants here. Mm-hmm. And we've come from towns like I come from Philly. My wife comes from Dallas. And we come from towns of great sports teams. And it really changes that town. I mean, 
I don't think I have to tell you what the Stanley Cup champs have done uh, yes. for this town. Right? I don't think I have to tell you what the Raiders are doing. Can you imagine mm -hmm. when we start looking at the A's and maybe a hoop team here soon? I've heard vicious rumors. Right. Yes. It's it's crazy to see. It really felt like Las Vegas became much more of a real city. We've got our own teams. Um, Super Bowl is coming next year. F1. All these sports coming to Vegas, it makes it insane. Like, yeah, I mean, it's you know, the number, entertainment capital of the world. Wouldn't it be cool? It was the sports capital of the world, too. Uh, there's not how many people in our mm -hmm. young sports uh, age get F1 and Super Bowl. Yeah. Just well. So now with the expansion of this office and you hope to have even more, what overall impact do you hope to have in Las Vegas in the next few years? Yeah, that's a tough one. What impact would I hope to have? Again, uh, maybe doing things for the right reasons in medicine, growing the medical community in terms of quality and keeping that quality because there are so many great surgeons and doctors in this town. I've met hundreds of them, right? And we always seem to get caught up in the negativity and not in the positivity. So do you mentor as well? Grows. Do you mentor students? Um, we do. We actually work with Toro University. Oh, very uh, nice. We work with one of the fellowships in town, the family practice side. And I think um, it's just, it's rewarding when as you get older, right? Yes. All of a sudden you <laughs> you know something <laughs> all of a sudden you you want to share it and uh, not just with your own children but uh all the folks that you work with and it's been incredibly rewarding for me absolutely so i think um that's about all the time we have today but thank you so much dr Vitti. i learned so much and it was just incredible learning about the business side of medicine um good luck with everything i'm really looking forward to more offices more billboards coming by my house <laughs> Yes. So thank you so much. Wake up and see my mug in the morning. Yes. <laughs> I apologize for that. But thank you very much for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Cravetti. And that was Dr. Mike Cravetti with Cravetti Orthopedics. It was great to collaborate with a medical leader who also has such a strong entrepreneurial spirit behind him and just a real palpable goodness behind his purpose that you can feel when you're in the room with him. Uh, you can learn more about him and listen to his podcast at CrevettiOrtho.com. That's C-R-O-V-E-T-T-I-O-R-T-H-O.com. And that actually marks the last episode of this first season of The Pivot Point. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe that we've reached the end of this incredible journey together. Um, over the past couple of months, we've met incredible an incredible cast of students, professors, executives and visionaries really right here in las vegas uh, and at unlv so now it's just about taking a couple minutes and just reflecting on the journey uh the stories we've shared and the lessons we've learned um yo when i started this podcast i did not even think half the things that would happen have happened it's just been incredible uh when i first started it um it was a vision it was a dream to create a platform for students like myself, where we could learn from the experiences of others. Um, I wanted to experience and share and really explore the ever-changing landscape of business, innovation, leadership, um, and just see what Vegas is all about, really. Um, I remember the nerves before the first episode, like that excitement of like getting that first guess and you're like, oh God, here we go. We're on a roll here and we got to keep going. And the late nights that you spend preparing for and editing each episode. Um, but most importantly, I remember the incredible people I've had the privilege to speak with. Um, 
so many that I like that just come to mind that like I there's 14 people, 14 people and 14 episodes. This like each one just seems like so such an incredible experience to work with. Um, they each brought their own unique perspective and wisdom. I learned so much from them and I hope you have to. Um, I hate to sound like an Academy Awards speech, but I got to mention a couple names who if you see around campus, I mean, you should talk to them because they're awesome people. I want to thank you to Megan Neary and Dean Jerry Sanders for making all of this possible and allowing me to contribute to the UNLV Lee Business School. Um, I really appreciate Jason Beattie and Wesley Knight for being with me every step of the way. Awesome guys over here at KUNV. And a a special thank you to all of you listening on 91.5 KUNV Jazz and more for being just an incredible audience and to all of my guests for sharing their knowledge with the world. So we've had a bunch of people come on this show, but just reflecting on the conversations, um, a couple of themes do stand out from everyone's story. The importance of resilience, adaptability, and of course, the power of innovation. We explored the triumphs and the challenges of the startup world, the intricacies, the intricacies of leadership, so many different types of leadership, and how, how do you know when to apply them and who to apply them to? Who are you talking to? Are you talking to a customer, your supervisor, your peers? So many different facets of leadership. And the impact of a positive mindset on success. One of the most valuable lessons I've learned is that success isn't just about achieving your goals. It's been about this whole journey and the people you meet, the lessons you learn, and the growth you experience along the way. So again, I express my deepest gratitude to all of you, our listeners, for joining me on this adventure. Your support and your engagement has just been the fuel that's just been keeping me going. Um, Your feedback has made each episode better than the last. Um, And honestly, you can find me around campus. Um, I think you can... um, there's a, I think I put my picture up on my LinkedIn, so that might be the only way you can recognize me. But uh, you can, if you see me on campus, say hi. Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can search for Bardia Ivazi, B-A-R-D-I-A, last name E-I-V-A-Z-I, and we can connect. That would be really awesome. So I want to extend a heartfelt thank you again to all of my guests who came on this first season. I can't imagine a better first cast, honestly. We've had the introductions to starting a business, how to sustain that business, intellectual property, how to be a good leader in that business, how being a good leader affects you and affects your customers. Because something I've, I've heard over the years is like, before people even come into your business or buy your service or buy your product, they buy you. You know, they buy you as a person. And it was cool to kind of gauge how much that influences people trusting your company a little bit. So to all of my guests, you've inspired not only me, but also countless others who've tuned in. Um, as I close this episode of the, of the first season, I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. So in the world of business, in the world of business and innovation, every ending is a new beginning, right? We can all relate to that. We all know that as one door closes, another door opens, and the door is closing on this first season. Hopefully, I'll come back for season two if I find the time. 
and find some awesome new guests. And if there are people that you guys want me to talk to, let me know. If there's a certain type of profession or a certain type of person you want me to interview and gauge their expertise, um, just let me know on LinkedIn or something like that, and I'll be happy to um, see what I can do. Whether you're a student looking to start your own company, a seasoned professional leading a team, or someone just seeking inspiration, remember that your journey is just beginning. And remember that everything can always be improved. If you look around you and you just gauge what people are talking about and go up to people and ask them and listen to them, what are their problems? What are their problems that they're seeking every single day? And try to find solutions to that. I think the first step is really talking to other people because you can have a great idea and it can be something that you want. But do other people want that? Do other people believe in it as strongly as you do? So gauging that is all about talking to other people. And in the end of the day, your idea might change a little bit, but it'll change for the better because you'll be helping a lot more people that way. So um, I'm excited to see where your journeys will take you. Um, If you happen to connect with me, just let me know where you are on your journey. Um, If you want to seek my advice, I don't know how good it will be, but I can certainly give you my advice for sure. Keep pivoting, keep innovating. Keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Um, Most importantly, uh, I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but uh, I would say the first thing, I've got maybe three things I could tell you. First thing is to always be yourself, right? You always want to bring your authentic self to the table. Second, do what makes you happy. Try to find a job or a profession or a career where you can feel like a genuine positive impact on the world around you. And three, which I think it might be a little bit understated in today's world, is to have peace of mind. Have peace of mind. So this has been a new topic that I've just kind of been exploring, but like I realized how much this informs all of my decisions around me. When I go to bed at night, am I going to be happy with who I am and what I've contributed to the world? Right, so that's what really peace of mind is talking about. Um, I can also recommend a few books that I've gotten to been able to read on this journey. Um, the Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel is a great one if you're intro- if you're introducing yourself to the world of business and money and finance. Talks all about how people behave around money, which is really important. Um, Brave by Robert Sapolsky. Um, also talks about how um, the root causes of behavior. Takes it from a biological standpoint, which I think is a bit interesting. And Atomic Habits by James Clear. You guys have probably heard about this one for sure. He sold so many copies of this book. And it's all about making small changes over time to create a very significant transformational change to improve your life. So I hope that has benefited you. Thank you, Las Vegas, for being the backdrop of this incredible adventure. Thank you, listeners, for being a part of it. And this has been Bardia Ivazi, signing off until we meet again on the next great adventure. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to The Pivot Point. You can follow us at Pivot Point UNLV on Twitter, all one word, and hope you enjoyed the show.